Alright, my internet's been acting up, so if it, the stream feels, uh, fails, then that's just too bad. I'll have the recording still I can use. Welcome to 99% Geek Presents an Audiobook Theater Podcast. I am your host and writer behind 99geek.ca, Andrew Getze, and this is being recorded on bum, 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 uh, May 31st, 2021. It's almost June, so close. And this is a Monday. It is 11.03 a.m. My goal in life has always been to write for television, but it's a goal I've had little luck so far in attaining. So instead, I've resorted to self-publishing novels on Amazon, but writing the monthly chapters like episodes of TV shows that people can download at 99geek.ca. Every chapter is released in four parts, a teaser in three acts, and every month features a different book spanning both science fiction and fantasy and every genre in between. That's right, I wrote all the books featured on this podcast trying to make ends meet in what feels like a poverty nightmare. I'm doing all of this alone, living off unemployment insurance. I don't have a budget. I don't have a team. No editors or producers. I have no backup, no support. I'm completely alone, pro bono, with nothing but my passion for telling stories. And thus I ask you not to judge me or my work or my production values too harshly. I'm doing the best I can, trying to wear all the hats. Tonight, we'll be reading from Phase 3 of Season 1 of 99% Geek, a chapter of a book entitled Adrift Homeless. Remember, you can follow along at 99geek.ca. Chapters are somewhat standalone, but at least make sure you start on Week 1 for the recap. This is not Week 1. I was considering maybe trying out uh, recapping every week, but maybe I'll start that with the next chapter, as opposed to starting it now. Um, So unprepared. Uh, This is chapter or episode number um, 11 of Adrift Homeless, entitled Still Be Here When You Get Back. And so we continue with week number four. Modified, Blazkor, Gunship, Mark 2.5, Landing Pad 3, New Bajon, Romeria. I did always like the smell of the air here, Tamika commented breathing in deeply from where she sat on the edge of the landing ramp, her legs dangling off the side. I just couldn't get over the feeling like I was in some kind of art exhibit or weird collector's diorama, you know? She looked back at John aboard the gunship and sitting at one of the two weapon stations. His blue eyes were practically glued to the screen, squinting even. His face looked pale against the light, and he was deeply engaged in whatever he was reading. Though it wasn't obvious that he heard her, she didn't repeat herself, instead taking another deep breath and staring out at the desert beyond the glass of the dome. More cities might have to adapt like this, John said at last, almost a full minute later, if they can hope to survive till we get back. She got up from the edge of the gunship and joined him at the station. Did you find what you were looking for? She asked him. Not what I was looking for, John told her, but this happened just under a couple years before what Lady Fansrick described. Tamika looked over his shoulder at an article he had pulled up from the network. A meteor impact? Tamika said in confusion. What does this have to do with the general? It hit in the desert. John explained, which wasn't so surprising since most of their planet was desert even back then. I'd actually heard of this event. It's not well known, but there were metal alloys found at the impact site that our our scientists have never seen before. Had, Had never seen before, I'm sorry. Those alloys were studied and then eventually recreated and used in the creation of the rebirth. That's interesting. Tamika admitted before adding, What does it have to do with the general? John scrolled down to a specific paragraph and read it out loud. We were able to interview the second eyewitness at the scene, who insists that someone else had arrived there first, a middle-aged man, naked and and disoriented. There was no sign of this first eyewitness by the time authorities showed up. Tamika looked at him as her mind churned. That's it? She asked him, feeling like that was hardly anything to go on. That's, uh, John said slowly, that's it. Tamika gave a laugh. (laughs) What are you trying to say? She asked, trying to put the pieces together. He fell from the sky with a meteor? 
John didn't respond, throwing his hands up in surrender. Tamika couldn't help but think of the legends of the solar gods, how they were said to forge prophets or angels within the heart of the sun. They would fire those prophets like rockets at Ramiria to bring them explosions of change and enlightenment. Do you think he, came, he could have come from the sun? She asked John. Could, could he be a solar prophet? John gave her a look. That sort of made her feel crazy. I don't know what to think, he admitted to her, but I'm not religious. And even if I were, I don't think one of those prophets would burn down an orphanage. That was a good, pretty good point. Tamika was, wasn't religious either, and even if she was, the Blazkor Old Testament was quite different from the religion of the Ten Sons. Not that she hadn't explored the stories of every religion when she was a kid, she just found them all wanting. John sighed. <sighs> Maybe it wasn't a meteor at all, he suggested to Tamika. Maybe it was some kind of ship that crashed landed. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba dum, ba ba dum. Bum, ba dum, bum, ba ba dum. Landing Bay 1, the rebirth edge of the Romerian system. Sometimes I really feel like a 12-year-old when I'm doing this. Makes me feel so young again. Alright. General Gilbert to the bridge. David's voice came through over the PA system across the rebirth. I repeat, General Gilbert to the bridge now. Oh, you know what? I should do that with some cool special effects where I put my hand over my mouth. Okay, here we go. General Gilbert to the bridge. David's voice came through over the PA system across the rebirth. I repeat, General Gilbert to the bridge now. General Gilbert, senior crewman and newly appointed flight deck chief Doug Wick said as the general stepped off the elevator. They're calling for you, did you hear? He didn't have time for this. I already talked to them. The general dismissed the man's concern. Everything's fine. Sort of like that time in Family Guy when Mr. Peter Smith met the doctor, and they were like, holy shit, we have the same voice. <laughs> uh, everything's fine. Sorry. You sure? Doug said, the large-bellied mechanic adjusting his baggy overalls. They were just saying your name. It was a short conversation. Gilbert assured the senior crew member... Uh, the crew... Uh, the, blah, 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 blah. Gilbert assured the senior crewman, hoping it would be enough. I need a ship. Senior crewman Wicks was more than a little taken aback. A ship? General? He asked, confused. What in the solar hills are you talking about? Doesn't have to be a fighter, Gilbert insisted. After all, he knew they, were, they still only had a squadron of those. What about one of our modified gunships? Or maybe there were fitted G-18s we was using for supply runs. For supply runs. Ahem, let me try that line again. What about one of our modified gunships? Or maybe there were fitted G-18s we was using for supply runs. Senior crewman Wicks, only recently promoted by Emma to run the flight deck after Nicole's unfortunate death, nodded his head. Uh, sure. I could have one of the G-18s fueled up and ready to launch in less than a minute. But does the bridge know about this? General Gilbert pointed up at the ceiling. Why do you think they were calling for me? It's their idea. Senior crewman Wicks nodded again. I suppose that makes sense, he admitted, clasping his hands together. I'll get my people right on it. The flight deck chief stepped away from Gilbert and began yelling orders to his people. This was going to work. Romerians were so gullible. Scene change. Boo, do, do, boo, do, boo, do. Scene change. Do, do, boo, do, boo, do. Scene change. Do, do, boo, boo, do, boo, do, boo, do, 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 Bridge. The the. Cough lozenge. Wow, that was so much better. Bridge. The rebirth. Edge of the Romerian system. Ha ha. Sorry. Bridge, the rebirth, edge of the Romerian system. Jack, set a course for Romeria. David said as everyone on the bridge seemed to be looking at him for what to do next. Full speed, push the engines if you can. 
I've already got I've already started bringing us around, Jack said, his hands manipulating the ship's controls. Sir, we should call a full combat alert. <laughs> I forgot how his voice was, Cadet Kevin Angeli said from the weapon station. It won't matter for long, don't worry. Uh, David looked at Council Leader Maggie May and she stared back at him. It's your ship, Commander, she told him, and he frowned in thought. No, he said at last, Angeli, not yet. He remembered Emma saying that setting a full combat alert across the ship would lower thick, heavy blast shields over the windows, including the bridge and the ship's solar panels. And he needed the port crystal to keep charging. Let's get closer first. Chief Officer Blake, Maggie May called across the bridge. Contact Prime Central Control and make sure they are aware of everything we are. That was a good call. David should have thought of that first. Billy Blake pushed buttons in his communications terminal and tried to speak into his headset, but he grew increasingly frustrated. I ain't getting anything back, he told David and Maggie May. The, this is what, 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 what we're d d dealing with, Chief Co Officer Cat Pross said, zooming into one of the three ships. It was jet black, making it almost impossible to spot in the darkness of space. It was long and flat, with pointed fins that slanted forward instead of back, almost like spikes. That's imposing, Billy muttered from his station. Th th that's just scale again, Cat pointed out. H here's it is in relation to the, the, the rebirth. The screen zoomed out to show the two ships side by side, the alien craft looking like a turtle that the rebirth was taking out for a walk. Aww, Billy said. Well, now that looks kind of cute. David could tell that Maggie Mae was worried, biting her lip nervously. She noticed the commander watching her, and she gave him an anxious smile. I shouldn't have come, she told him quietly so the rest of the bridge couldn't hear. I should have stayed on the planet where I was needed. David grabbed her hand. I'm sure they have everything under control down there. He assured her. Scene change. Boop. Boop. Boo-doo-boo-doop. Scene change. Boop. Boop. Boo-doo-boo-doop. Scene change. Boop. Boop. Boo-doo-boo-doop. 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 Control Center. Prime Central Stations. Himalaya City. Romeria. It was chaos. Everyone was yelling out all at once as Counselor Mambada stepped into the Control Center. We have three unidentified objects approaching orbit over the planet. I'm calculating immense speeds of over a million kilometers a minute and dropping. I'm picking up alloys, traces of tungsten, chromium, and, and austenite. Lieutenant Stiles, the commanding officer on duty, sidled up to Counselor Mombada. Those are our ships, he told the counselor, the ambassador from Corta Angale. Those, those are ships, <laughs> not our ships, those are ships, he told the counselor, the ambassador from Corda Angale, now the highest ranking person in that control room, no doubt about it, and they aren't ours. I can see that, Lieutenant, Mombada said dismissively, studying the large screens over his head. The three ships were so black as to be nearly impossible to make out. Long and bulky, they also had concerning-looking sharp spikes jutting out at odd angles like fins, but facing forward. The two on either side were smaller and flatter than the one in the middle, which was more rounded like a cigar, and had some sort of round emitter or dish on the front. Have we tried to contact them? There's been no response yet, came a voice from the communication section of the room, on any frequency! They've entered high orbit! Someone from the middle of the room yelled, They're coming to a stop! Only two of them are! Someone else yelled out beside the last person, The middle ship appears to be continuing its approach! Where, what's its heading? Mambada asked. The same voice spoke again. It looks like somewhere along the equator line! Was the best they could do to give him an answer. What were the, these things up to? Contact the rebirth, Counselor Mambada ordered. Apprise them of our situation. I can't bring them up, sir. Someone muttered from the left side of the room. I think we're... I think we're being jammed. The lieutenant beside the counselor gasped. 
were completely alone. Uh, scene change, but first water break. And nose break. Alright. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba -dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba -dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba -dum. Bum, 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 Modified Blascore Gunship Mark 2.5, Landing Pad 3, New Bajon, Romeria. I'm at a dead end, John said, finding looking away from the screen to catch Tamika's eye. There is no point in trying to find the eyewitness in the article. Even if I looked up this person they interviewed, he'd surely be dead by... John didn't finish his sentence. By now? Tamika tried to finish for him, but he didn't respond as his eyes fixated on something behind her, his face twisting in confusion. She turned around. The landing ramp was still down, and th through it she could see a shadow creeping over both their gunship and the landing pad. A sandstorm? She suggested, stepping onto the ramp and looking around. The shadow was falling over the whole city, covering it in a night-like darkness. She was pretty sure sundown wasn't for hours yet, but outside the dome the desert was clear, the shadow spreading across it until it too was shrouded in darkness. No matter where Tamika looked, she couldn't see what was casting the shadow. Turning back into the gunship, she could see John at the cockpit trying to get a look at whatever it was out the front windshield. Looking up, he seemed to see something, and he began straining to see it better, going so far as pressing his face against the glass. What is it? Tamika asked, taking a step into the gunship to look out the cockpit with him, only to change her mind and exit down the ramp instead. Stepping off onto the platform, she could see people around the city coming out of their homes and apartments to look up into the sky with horror. Turning away from them as she came out from under the gunship, she looked up into the sky and finally saw it for herself. It was a massive black spaceship, like no design she'd ever seen before, hovering in the horizon blocking out most of the sun. Long and round, it had formidable black spikes jutting from its body with large engines at the top that were just turning off as it seemed to settle over the desert, less than maybe 20 kilometers from the city. Large blue thrusters shot down from the bottom of the ship to maintain its height over the desert sands, and the rumble of those thrusters could be felt in the platform beneath her as if it was an earthquake. Tamika looked back to their modified gunship where John had come, had come to the entrance to look out with her. Did you see that thing? Tamika asked him as she followed him back into the gunship. He took the pilot's seat while she hit the button to raise the landing ramp. Ramp. That's okay, you can drive, she muttered sarcastically as he began powering up the engines. She settled into the co-pilot seat as he reached over to her side and activated the comms. Himalia City, this is Colonel John Adams, do you copy? Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba dum Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum, ba dum ba dum ba dum Control Center, Prime Central Station, Himalia City, Romeria. Colonel! Senior Officer Dorsey said in surprise at hearing the Colonel's voice on the frequency he was monitoring. We, we read you! He signaled his superior officer. L Lieutenant, I have Colonel Adams out of Nubajan. Both Lieutenant Stiles and Counselor Mombada crossed the control room to his station, the Counselor picking up his long flowing robe so as to move faster. I thought you said we were being jabbed, Mombada said confused. Dorsey could only shrug. Maybe their communications were just being blocked from leaving the atmosphere? Sir! Someone across the room yelled. From New Bajon, Colonel Adams should have visual on U01! The main screen of the control center showed them a top-down view of where the large unidentified ship was settling over the equator in relation to the location of New Bajon. The view tilted into th in 3D and simulated John's possible view from the city to the ship far before the horizon line. U01? Mumbada repeated, clearly unable to keep up with what all their abbreviations meant. An unidentified object one, sir, Lieutenant Stiles explained to him. A voice shouted out from the entrance to the room. That's my city, as Counselor J Jameson stormed in looking unusually shoddy like he had quickly thrown on his usually tightly fitted suit. That That is my city, right? For the Ambassador of New Bajan, Senior Officer Dorsey really thought the Counselor should have been more certain. 
Someone in the room managed to intercept the counselor and began apprising him of the situation before he could interrupt things further. Put the colonel on the main speaker, Mumbada ordered, ignoring the counselor's interruption, and Dorsey pushed the appropriate button. Counselor Mumbada looked up at the ceiling as he spoke. John, are you there? Can you see the ship? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Colonel, uh, Colonel Adams' voice came through the speakers. I, I put my hand over my mouth again. I can see it all right. It's sort of hard to miss. There was a pause. And breathing. What is this thing? Before Mumbada could answer him, Dorsey noticed activity at his station. I'm picking up something. He informed the counselor and his lieutenant, coming in on every channel. Someone across the room yelled out, It's overwhelming our bandwidth, too! Hijacking every network! Suddenly the lights in the room flickered and every screen in the control center went out. It was as if Dorsey's entire terminal just went dead. And then the screen flickered back on. Every screen flickered on, but there was just black on all of them. Black with just a little blinking cursor in the top left corner. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba ba dum Scene change. Bum, bum, ba 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 Bum, ba bum, ba ba dum Modified Blazcore Gunship Mark 2.5, Landing Pad 3, New Bajon, Romeria. I lost connection with them, Tamika said from the co-pilot seat. I I'm going to try to bring them back, she assured John, working away at the comms terminal when it suddenly went dead. The whole ship did. What is... John started to ask as even his controls went out, but then all the screens on the gunship turned back on again, flashing a simple white cursor against a black background. The cursor began to draw letters, and those letters made up a sentence. And then a voice spoke those words through every speaker on the ship, so loud and booming that the gunship shook on the platform. You were warned! I feel like I can do that better. You were warned! Like that. You were warned. Okay, that's we're going with that. You were warned. Scene change. Bum bum ba da ba dum. Scene change. Bum bum ba da ba da ba da ba dum. Bum ba da bum ba da ba dum. Stage four. Television studio. Hamelia City. Romeria. We haven't yet received any more information in regards to the large craft that has situated itself somewhere just outside the borders of New Bajon. News anchor Chris Arnold read from his teleprompter into the camera. He pulled on his collar. It's suddenly feeling a little tight. We have Helen Masters here, however, to go over with us whether or not she thinks this might be another government secret. Chris continued, looking across the studio at his guest. Before we go to her, however, we have live feed directly from New Bajon. Chris was about to send things over to their local correspondent in the area, but he didn't even get the chance before suddenly all the lights and cameras in the studio turned off. Everyone was bathed in darkness, and someone in the room screamed. But the darkness only lasted a moment before the screen behind Chris that usually displayed the news station logo instead began to glow black with a simple cursor in the corner of the screen. Our, um, <clears throat> our signal has been hijacked, Chris's technical producer yelled out from behind the switchboard. Words typed out onto the screen and a voice boomed across the study. You were warned! Scene change. Bum, bum, ba da ba -dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba da ba dum, ba da ba dum, bum, ba dum, bum, ba da ba dum. Lanky's Lounge, the rebirth, entering the Romeria system. Entering the Romerian system. I, like, yeah, I mumbled that a bit, I'm sorry. All the lights went black, bathing everyone in the lounge in darkness. Immediately, people started to panic, some screaming, some crying out for their friends or loved ones. I don't understand! One voice near Alec said to their friend, Why have we turned around? Alec felt a chime from the wrist device on his arm, and he looked down at his computer. He was being hacked. Oh, I don't think so, he muttered to no one in particular, typing away at the on-screen keyboard. Nobody's getting through my firewalls. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum, ba-da-ba-dum. Bridge, the rebirth, entering the Romerian system. 
something is preaching on mainframe cat uttered out suddenly distress in her voice i see it billy said from the other side of the bridge it's already spread throughout the entire ship i'm trying to enact firewalls but it's bursting through them faster than i can enact new ones david watched the comms chief glance across at cat station i can really use some help it's t t too late for that, Kat yelled out frantically as she was completely consumed in what she was doing. I I'm going to uh, isolate the bridge from, from the r rest of the network and p purge it with the cl clone image I have from an hour ago. Her fingers were flying across her keyboard. I'm s sending you the cl clone image now. I got it, Billy said from his side of the bridge, initiating the purge. Well... This is all very dramatic, Maggie May muttered beside David. It was clear that, like him, she had no idea what was going on. But David trusted Kat that if she said it was serious, it was serious. We, we, we did it, Kat said from her side. Their attempt to take over our systems have fa failed. I'm picking up a tr transmission hidden in the code. I'm p p playing it now. The main screen went black with just a cursor in the top left corner. Is this it? David asked, admittedly underwhelmed. Yes, sir, Cat confirmed, but I d d don't think it's d done. Words typed themselves out in the screen, and a voice boomed over the bridge speakers, making everyone but Cat jump in their seat. You were warned! And I thought our people were being dramatic. Maggie May muttered, though this time David could hear a nervous crack in her, vo in her tone. David frowned. Warned what? He asked out loud. Warned how? Warned when? Warned who? Warned why? Billy said from his station, and everyone else on the bridge went quiet. What? 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 Well, they sp sp speak our la language. Cat pointed out. Billy shook his head. They could have just studied in our bait in our database. No, Cat insisted. The hack was all d download. Th there was z z zero upload. They weren't interested in anything we had, only in sending this message. A pin could have dropped on the bridge, and everyone would have heard it, which made it all the more startling when the booming voice through the speaker spoke another word, just the one. Die! Again, I feel like a 12-year-old. Everyone on the bridge jumped once again, this time Cat included, and David's heart literally skipped multiple beats as he grabbed at his chest instinctively. Cadet Angeli flailed and fell out of his chair onto the floor. The screen flickered back to a view of space and their distant but approaching planet. Billy, holding onto both sides of his station, gasped for breath and looked around the bridge in shock as he said, Well, I just shit my pants. Scene change. Boop, 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 Scene change. Boop, 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 Control Center, Prime Central Station, Himalaya City, Romeria. You were warned. The booming voice spoke out across Control Center as the words also rode out onto every screen in the room. Our systems have been hijacked, a voice yelled in the darkness. Counselor Mombada stepped forward in the darkness, staring up at the large main screen of the Control Center, his heart beating in his chest. This was his moment. What is it that you want from us? He yelled out into the darkness. A counselor, Senior Officer Dorsey said from Mumbada's right. They're not receiving. It's a one-way transmission. Oh, Mumbada said deflated. As he began to turn away from the screen, however, another word wrote itself out, and then the booming voice came back. Die! The voice was unsettling as well as surprising, and more than one person screamed out. Concerned murmuring spread throughout the room as the system slowly began to flicker back to life and the lights came back on. Hear me or not, Mombada said to Senior Officer Dorsey, it appears they've given us an answer to my question. He looked at the lieutenant beside him. What sort of defense options are we looking at here? Lieutenant Stiles shrugged. I am, uh could launch a squadron of AG-18 bombers, he tried to suggest. No, 
Mombata cut him off. What of our nuclear arsenal? The lieutenant paled. We've never detonated a nuclear weapon before. It was deemed too dangerous, Lombada finished the man's thought. He was just as aware of Ramirian history as everyone else in that room. But we still have a prototype, do we not? It's said that Himilius City has two. The lieutenant swallowed. Th three now, actually, he admitted to the counselor. The, the third is even stronger than the first two combined. They're all in deep storage. Not any more, Lieutenant, Mombada said, giving the lieutenant a meaningful look. Styles nodded at the counselor. I I'll make a call, sir. You can't be serious, Counselor Jameson yelled at Mombada. This is my, s that's my city. He sounded more sure this time. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-dum. Modified Blazcore Gunship Mark 2.5 Landing Pad 3 New Bajon Romeria Die! The voice spoke through the gunship speakers before everything went silent and the systems began to flicker back online. That didn't sound friendly. Tamika said as John began powering up the engines again and I took a drink of water. And did um, a nosy thing again. Ah, it was so phlegmy. Alright. Ah, and then Tamika continued after saying, That didn't sound friendly. What do you think they meant by that? Tamika noticed John frown. The engine, needing to finish a cooling cycle before it could warm up, was obviously going too slow for his liking. I think we can rule out. They came here looking for a hug. He said, leaning back in frustration, looking out the windshield at the hovering spacecraft. As they both watched, a glow began to emanate from the round dish at the base of the ship, and then a beam of light, or was that energy, shot out from the bottom of the ship, like lightning to impact into the ground with a crack and sustain itself. What in the solar hells? Tamika straightened in her seat. We have to get this bird in the air, John muttered, checking the engine status, pushing buttons on his little keyboardy thing. I didn't, that's not written. I'm just adding that. Um, scene change. Boop, 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 boop. Scene change. Boop, 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 boop. Stage four. Television studio. Himalaya City. Romeria. And we're back. With <laughs> let me try that again. And we're back with you. Chris Arnold said into the camera as his producer gave him the OK signal. I apologize for losing you there for a minute. Of course, these things can sometimes happen. We are getting breaking news live from the scene of New Bajon, where the seemingly alien hover... Ahem. We are... Can we start over from the top, my producer? Thank you. Okay. And we are back with you, Chris Arnold said into the camera as his producer gave him the okay signal. I apologize for losing you there for a minute. Of course, these things can sometimes happen. We are getting breaking news live from the scene of New Bajon, where the seemingly alien craft hovering outside the city has begun firing some kind of energy weapon into the ground. It seems almost as if the craft is boring through the sand. What it could be hoping to find in the desert there, though, is currently unknown. He turned in his chair to his guest. I have Helen Masters with me now, he said, giving her a smile. Now, Hel Dr. Masters, based on recent developments, including both the transmission we all saw, as well as what it seems these people are up to in the desert, would you say that the large craft present over New Bajon might be hostile, and do you think we might be in danger in any way? Dr. Helen Masters leading expert in xenology and interstellar studies at the Himalayas University, blinked her blue eyes from beneath her blonde hair, adjusting her glasses and clearing her throat. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, Chris said, leaning back in his chair and making the cut gesture to his producer. His producer made a rolling motion with his fingers. Dr. Masters got up and slammed her hands into the news desk, leaning over Chris Arnold and getting directly in his face. I have a family! She screamed at him so close and so loud he was pretty sure she shattered his eardrum. Stomping around the desk, 
Masters tore the microphone from her shirt and threw it at the cameraman. Fuck this shit! <coughs> As she stormed across the length of the studio, everyone silently watching her leave. She already had her comms device in her hand and was calling her house. Hun, can you put our son on? Hey, baby, it's mommy. She's coming home right now, okay? She's coming home right now, and then mommy and daddy and you are going to sit together. That's right, around a fire, and we're going to hold hands and sing songs. Yeah, that's right. I know mommy usually finds your songs annoying, but today mommy wants to hear every one of your songs that you wrote, okay? In fact, you can start singing them to me right now, just in case, okay? Just in case nothing, honey. Just, just, I really want to hear your voice, okay? And then the doors closed behind her, and there was silence in the studio. Chris Arnold straightened his tie and faced back towards the camera. And that was Dr. Helen Masters, he said in a steady voice. Up next, we've got... He didn't get to finish his sentence, however, as the studio began to shake. It looks like we're experiencing some kind of seismic activity, Chris said, bracing himself against his chair. We'll bring you more on that story after these commercial breaks. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum, ba-da-ba-dum. Control Center, Prime Central Station, Himalaya City, Romeria. The control center shook violently as the people around Mombada continued to try to work at their stations. We're picking up seismic disturbances, someone yelled, as well as, a, as renewed volcanic activity over much of planet's surface. Lieutenant Stiles got off his comms device and stumbled his way to Mombada's shoulder, leaning against the counselor for balance as the ground quaked beneath them. The nukes are, are five minutes from launch, the lieutenant informed him, but they weren't designed to launch in this kind of... in these conditions. Mumbada looked up at the screen, where they were now tracking how deep the laser had drilled. A thousand kilometers so far and counting fast. God save us. Solar gods save us, Councilor Mumbada muttered. Scene change. Bam, bam, bada, bada. Scene change. Bam, bam, bada, 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 bam, bada, bam, bada, bada. Modified Blastcore Gunship Mark 2.5. Modified Blastcore Gunship Mark 2.5. Landing Pad 3, New Bajan, Romeria. We have, we have ignition, John said, lifting their gunship off the landing pad. Do we have a plan? Tamika asked, feeling like they really didn't. John shrugged. We're gonna go get us. Close, we're gonna go get a closer look at that thing, he told her. Tamika grimaced despite herself. That's a plan? Suddenly there was a loud doom, and an industrial warehouse, the same one they had gone into earlier, exploded. A tower of steaming... This isn't right. Too many, too many commas, too many commas, too many commas! This sentence is fixing! Uh... Okay, let's try this again. Sorry about that. Suddenly there was a... Th you guys are all waiting and like... What? What's happening? Tell us what's happening! Suddenly there was a loud boom and an industrial warehouse, the same one they had gone into earlier, exploded. A tower of steaming water shot out into the air, higher even than the surrounding skyscrapers, coming down on the citizens in torrential waves. That works. Do you have a plan for that? Tamika asked, pointing up the large water spurt. John swerved and just barely avoided a torrential downpour from the boiling water as tons of it came down on buildings, smashing through glass structures and tearing away a bridge between skyscrapers. What is it with you and plans today? John asked with frustration as he manipulated the controls. At least it turns out your professor was right about everything. Tamika shook her head. He also believed vaccines had a 1% chance of giving people mutant telekinetic powers, she remembered out loud. So not everything, then, John muttered, pushing forward on the controls. To avoid getting hit by the cascading waterfalls, John had to swerve down low, banking and veering through tight roads and coming to a main street, where a large wave of water was rushing towards them. Even through the hull of their gunship, Tamika could hear the screams of people running for their lives and getting caught up in the insanity. John increased throttle, tearing down the street away from the oncoming wave and turning off into the side street just as the wave was about to overtake them. 
He was getting them closer to the edge of the dome. Raise new beige on control, John ordered, his attention on not getting not his attention on not hitting the tall the tall buildings they were soaring past at high speed. Tamika did as he requested. I've opened a channel, she told him. New beige on control, this is John yelled over her. This is Colonel John Adams to New Bajon Control. I am requesting clearance through the gate. There was no response. Come on, John muttered. Open the gate or everyone is going to drown here. Tamika had to assume anyone on duty probably already ran for their lives. There was still no answer. Damn it, John said as they arrived at the edge of the glass dome. He increased their altitude as the water was quickly rising beneath them. Power the weapons. Ah, uh, Tamika said, surprised. Are you, are you sure about that? You said yourself, John rationalized. I feel like I should add a uh, part. He put their gunship into a hover. Because, I mean, I don't feel like... Though, I think it's been explained in previous chapters that the Glasgow gunships can hover. I don't know if that's completely clear here. They can hover. They're not like... You know, the jets that they use, the G-18s and stuff, the G-27s. Um, yeah. So yes, the Blazcore gunship is hovering over the water and it's rising up to meet them. Uh, where were we? Ah, uh, Tamika said surprised. Are, are you sure about that? Powering the weapons. You said yourself, John rationalized. This whole dome is going to fill with water and everyone is going to drown. If we can create a place for the water to drain, then people in the taller buildings might have a chance. Tamika was already out of her co-pilot seat and moving into the back. Sitting down at the weapon station on her left, she powered the lower rail gun and aimed it at the dome. T Target locked, she told the colonel. Fire! He yelled, looking back at her, like, now! Yes, sir, she said, pulling the trigger on her controls and firing her rail gun into the glass of the dome. The shot glowed white as it streaked out, impacting against the glass with a flash and leaving a crack. Fire again! John yelled, and Tamika did as she was told. She fired a second shot, and then a third, the cannon blasting the dome again and again as the crack widened into a hole. The water level was already rising to the point of almost overtaking that hole. And me, I am about to drink some water, because it's a water break. Ah. <sighs> Water break, do-do-do-do-do, water break. Water's delicious. Drink water. Now back to the now back to the show. Hold on, John said as he increased throttle to max and aimed for the hole with their gunship. We're not gonna fit. They shattered through the wall of the dome, water pouring out behind them as they shot out into the desert and up into the sky. Immediately, John altered their heading, centering the flying black structure in their sights and pushing the engines as fast as they could go. Stay where you are, he told her, the alien craft about a minute out, and keep your weapons charged. She hadn't intended to do anything else. Scene change. Boop, boop, ba doop ba doop Scene change. Boop, boop, ba doop ba doop ba doop ba doop Control Center, Prime Central Station, Himalaya City, Romeria. We have a gunship, a voice yelled out across the quaking control center. It was all people could do to hold on tight to their stations and try not to fall over. It's rising up to meet the UO-1. A woman near Mombata pointed up at the screen. It's Colonel John Adams, sir. A couple people began to applaud. Yeah, woo! And one woman even yelled, Hell save us! That's good, Councilor Jameson said excitedly, slapping Councilor Mombata on the arm. Another voice yelled out from across the center. Sir, the depth of the laser they're drilling just hit 2,000 kilometers. They're drilling with, if he's talking about the laser. The depth of the laser they're drilling with just hit 2,000 kilometers. That, that's bad, Jameson yelled with a frown. Councilor Mombata had to take a deep breath to contain himself. Councilor Jameson, he said, turning to his fellow councilor, even as they both could barely stand, stay on their feet. I'm so glad you came to work today. Thanks, Jameson said, slapping Mombata's arm again. Scene change, bum, bum, ba-da, ba-dum. Scene change, bum, bum, ba-da, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Modified Lascore gunship, Mark 2.5, Deep Desert, Romeria. We're coming within fire range now, 
John yelled back to Tamika, though she could see that for herself. She saved the upper cannon to her station as well, so she could fire both at once, but didn't exactly know where John wanted her to shoot. You have anywhere specific in mind? She asked him, looking the formidable cra looming craft over as it cast its shadow down on them. How about that dish? John yelled back to her. The one with the giant particle beam coming out of it? Tamika could have corrected him, assuring him that it wasn't in fact a particle beam, an electron beam would have been a closer analogy, but instead of saying anything at all, she targeted the center of the, the, center of the dish and began, and fired both cannons, and fired again, and fired again. Her shot streaked across the sky, the first railgun shots getting within 500 feet of the dish, when suddenly a glowing charge, when suddenly the glowing charged rail shots collided with some kind of invisible orb. The orb became visible around where her shots collided, creating seeming ripples that radiated along the length of the barely visible barrier. As the ripples subsided, the barrier disappeared, only to appear again as her other four shots collided with it. Each collision created an explosion-like impact, but far from doing anything, any damage to the craft itself. They've got some kind of... Tamika didn't know how to describe it. Energy shield? Yeah, I can see that. John said, pulling up on the gunship and rising them over the beam to soar up along the side of the craft. Keep firing! She squeezed tight to her trigger, firing into the side of the craft again and again, each shot rippling against the invisible shield. John weaved around a jutting spike as he continued his ascent, and Tamika continued shooting. Beneath her, she could see them pass a large burning thruster, one of many keeping the alien craft in the air, but focusing her fire on it did nothing. Just more impacts against her shields. And then the engine was gone from her sights. She knew she had to keep trying, had to keep shooting at the ship and hope something went through, even if everything they were doing seemed futile to her. Control Center, Prime Central Station, Himalaya City, Romeria. He's rising through the atmosphere, someone yelled across the control room. Councilor Mambata watched John's ascent on the screen. He's probing them for weaknesses, the Councilor mused. Or... Councillor Jameson suggested. He's just desperately trying, struggling to survive. Someone yelled across the control center, They've breached the core! That's bad, right? Jameson complained, no longer looking like he wanted to make any more sarcastic remarks. That's, like, really, really bad. That was when it happened. Up until then, the large ship had been firing a single steady beam. But before their eyes, the beam cut out and the base of the ship began glowing before firing a large, glowing, green orb like a bullet into the hole it had just dug. What was that? Mambada asked the panicking control room. Anyone want to give me something I can use? Even though the beam had stopped, the ground hadn't stopped rumbling. One of the scientists finally spoke. It was able to pick up an... I, I was able to pick up an energy potential yield of over 100 megatons. That's more than all our nukes put together times 100, sir, Lieutenant Stiles said. And over half the people in the room, those Mambada assumed knew what that meant, got super pale. Some sat down. One man fainted. What happens when that reaches our core? Council Mambada asked. There was a rumble beneath their feet. Everyone looked around anxiously. I think we're about to find out, Senior Officer Dorsey said between heavy gasps for breath. I'm picking up a shock wave, a voice called out from somewhere else in the room. Seismograph readings are off the chart. It's rising through our mantle at rapid speed and should reach the surface planet in 18 seconds. Give me an open channel to the city, Mombada yelled across the still violently shaking control center. Behind him, lights collapsed from the ceiling to explode in sparks and glass on the floor. We have to tell the people to brace themselves. It's no use, Lieutenant Stiles said, apparently understanding what the main screen was saying better than Mombada could. I don't think you understand the strength of this shockwave. It will shatter bone, maybe even liquefy our organs at that level of pressure. Now Mombada was feeling dizzy. But what do we do? He asked anyone in the room. He almost fell over himself, the room spinning around him, but Councillor Jameson caught him before he hit the ground. Hey, Jameson said, grasping Mamada's hand tightly. 
I don't think there's anything we can't. Scene change. Scene change. Theme change. Modified Blazgore gunship mark 2.5. Deep desert. Romeria. Thoom. They heard it as it happened. But more impressively, Tamika felt it as a shockwave rattled their gunship, and she could tell John was having a hard time keeping control. She swiveled her turrets around to point at the ground and watched on her screen as the sand beneath them exploded upward at them, plumes of molten lava spewing out from cracks that were forming in the planet's surface. Large chunks of the planet's crust broke free and were ejected up and at them, one large chunk of rock headed directly for them. Tamika tore herself from her seat in a scramble for the cockpit. John, watch out behind us! She yelled at him in warning, and she saw him push forward on the controls and slam a button on the dashboard, but it was too late. The rock collided with them, and Tamika was thrown off her feet, knocking her head on the ceiling, and then everything went black. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Scene change. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum, ba-da-ba-dum. Bum, ba-dum, bum, ba-da-ba-dum. Lanky's Lounge, the rebirth, entering the Romerian system. The lounge was chaotic, with concern and panic, as people around Alec hastily theorized with one another over what could be happening. Was there something going on back home? Why hadn't there been any update from the bridge? And then it happened, and the entire lounge went dead silent. At first, the planet just seemed to grow, to grow slightly in size, and then continued to grow still. And then red cracks began to, for to show on the surface. And then, before their very eyes, the thin blue atmosphere that surrounded their planet was violently expelled outward into space, and the planet was engulfed in flame as it tore itself apart. Someone gasped. Multiple people started to cry. No one in that lounge knew exactly what was going on, but they all knew one thing for certain. Nothing was ever going to be the same again. Next time, next time on Adrift Homeless at 99geek.ca in August 2021. Um, for episode number, or chapter number 12. Their planet destroyed, their people murdered before their very eyes. In a devastating genocide, what else is there to do? The rebirth is going to war. And that's going to be in August 2021. But next month, which is in one day... Uh, on royalty at at 99geek.ca in June 2021 uh, for the second chapter of royalty Lynn and Alla and Ali Lynn and Ali set off on an adventure to try and save Uncle Goldak from his petrification meanwhile Derman addresses the village leaders and tries to convince them of the coming threat of the royals a threat they seem reluctant to take seriously and Marius continues to grapple with having to follow orders he doesn't morally want to follow. And that's coming uh, next week on Royalty, but you can get a sneak peek of that right now. It's already, uh, the first week of that is already up on my site at 99geek.ca, um, which, let's take you, oh, I'm having issues here, let's take you and move you over here, nope, I'm going to do this, it's going to be great. See, it was great. That was great. All right. So, yeah. So, um, I hope you enjoyed this chapter of Adrift Homeless. Um, I'm sorry that my reading of it sometimes borders on um, uh, adolescent. Um, but you could always just read it for yourself at nightageek.ca and not have to deal with my weird voices and... Um, over drama, drama, dramatizations. Um, anyway, uh, let me just get to the part where I read the end before I um, put my phone in my mouth and ruin a good moment. My name is Andrew Getsy, and my brand is 99% Geek, found at 99geek.ca. I'm a writer writing monthly chapters of novels like episodes of TV shows, releasing them in four weekly segments, a teaser and three acts on Mondays on my Patreon page. 
Every month it's a different book over a range of genres, and they sometimes even cross over and connect. At the end of the month, the finished chapter is added to the PDFs attached at the bottom of every post. Finding the finished books are self-published on Amazon. This is a dark fantasy story about a post-apocalyptic world where powerful royals rule and enslave the remaining people struggling to survive on the last remaining landmass. This is also a sci-fi story about a people on a dying world who have built a ship to a new one, but their project is almost brought down by a terrorist organization within their own ranks. Finally, there's a crossover story where characters from my other books are brought into the distant future, where the princess of a far-advanced civilization, one that lives in a solar system-sized megastructure around a Dyson sphere, needs help defeating her twisted, power-hungry brother, and all the and all these stories, um, period, and all these stories will be outside the paywall for all to enjoy as new episodes release weekly, and the finished chapters will be attached to the bottom of every post on the site in convenient PDF format, readable on computers, tablets, tablets, ebook readers, phone, and phones at the end of the month. But that's not all my stories. There's also urban fantasy tales about a teenage girl turned into a vampire against her will, or a scorned lover investigating paranormal phenomena, or a journalist covering news and politics in the Middle East. And there's a fantasy story about a fallen angel trying to stop the end of the world. All these stories are published and available on Amazon and are also safe and sound behind the paywall in PDF format attached to an archive at the top of my pa pa Patreon page. Only viewable by subscribers, my entire library of work, thousands of pages worth, is easily accessible to every subscriber at any level. There's even a Geekly Weekly blog, which covers all the news you may have missed over the week, as well as ranks a week's worth of television and makes predictions on what new pop culture things might be in the public consciousness for the next week. It releases every Saturday at noonish. Finally, I do video game streams, both multiplayer matchmaking as well as single-player playthrough campaigns. You can see me play games like Final Fantasy, Call of Duty, Hitman, and more. Watch them as they happen at twitch.tv slash wingcommander4, or wait until I release the recorded videos on days when I have nothing else to release. And you can see it all in, in one place, so stay tuned and maybe subscribe. It's only a dollar, and the support you show will go a very long way, I promise. That that place, by the way, in case it wasn't clear, 99geek.ca. And that's 99, you know, not spelt out 99, just 9, just the numbers 99, and then geek.ca. I know that's weird for people to put numbers in. Um, a URL. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible person. Uh, so stay tuned to Baby Subscribe. It's only a dollar, and the support you show will go a very long way, I promise. There are also higher tiers. Give $5 one month, and you can name a character or location or suggest a thing you might want to see. Basically, you get to give a noun, and then I promise to incorporate that noun into one of my stories somehow. Maybe not the same month you give a suggestion, but within three months guaranteed. No matter how crazy, you can't sabotage me, I promise. Think of it like a fun improv game. And you can keep giving nouns for every month Excuse me. <laughs> I kind of burped in my throat. Um, and you can keep giving nouns for every month you pay at the $5 tier. Or if you give $10, you don't get two nouns, but you can give a description to go with your noun. Describe the personality of your character or the look of your location or the importance of your item. For $10, you get a noun and a description. You can also give a dollar towards supporting my efforts at video game streaming or my weekly blog if that's more where your interests lie. And all subscribers at every tier will get early access to my writing, unedited but released a week early if you finish the current week and feel excited to find out what happens next. I'm as poor as it gets, living paycheck to paycheck and sometimes starving, so I understand if you are too. I don't want to take food out of your mouth, so your attention is enough. Say something, comment here at the very least, follow me on Twitter at Andrew Getze, or Instagram at WingCommander4. Remember to leave a review if you read one of my books, or uh, for um, remember to re leave a review review if you read any of my books, if you read one of my books. For any reviews on Amazon slash Goodreads or subscriptions here, or comments on social media, will just encourage more people to check out my work and allow me to grow. I can't do it without your efforts. That's three different ways you can help. Write reviews on any site that lets you. Subscribe here for as low as a dollar. Or at the very least, use your voice to let me and the world know you like what you read here. And also, I want to point out, if you're listening to this audiobook, that counts, right? So if you've listened to every, you know, if you've listened to the first two acts of uh, Drift Homeless and you've been keeping up this whole time, then you can totally go to Goodreads and write a review for Drift Homeless. You have done the effort, you've done you put in the time you qualify you are um, you are qualified to write a review on goodreads or something like that or amazon or something like that of the book because i feel like you know that counts <laughs> i feel like anyone would agree that that counts uh, enough to be able to review it so you should do that and it would help me so much like it would honestly it would be everything you know if people just started doing that and leaving these reviews and stuff then, like, the way the internet works is that, you know, it's all, um, 
It's all uh, search engine, whatever, optimized thingamabobber. It's all search engine bullshit, and it's all numbers and shit. So the more numbers I get, the more numbers I will get. You know, like, the more people will show up because other people showed up. And, you know, they'll see the reviews, and they'll, they'll watch it, and they'll review too, and it'll start an exponential growth. It all begins with just, you know, a couple people being like, hey, I want to show my support. And it'll exponentially grow from there. That's what it takes. We can do this. We have the power, but it's not just me. It's us. We got to do it together. We're the, we are the 99% geek. Remember that. It's not me. I'm not the 99% geek. We are the 99% geek. And that's because we got to do it together. We can't make it on our own. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. Long live Marceline the Vampire Queen. Remember that Kong bows to no one, but Godzilla is the king of all monsters. We are the 99% geek.